Hello and welcome to the Royal Central podcast from royalcentral.co.uk. I'm Lydia Starbuck, the news editor. I'm Brittany Barger and I'm the deputy editor. And I'm Jess Isles, the senior royal reporter and editorial assistant. And we've got a bit of a House of Windsor special for our first proper news podcast of 2021. Having said for weeks and weeks, it's so quiet, nothing's going on. Um, the House of Windsor literally hasn't stopped for the last two weeks. So we're going to try and round it all up and catch up with what they've been doing. So coming up, we'll have a chat about the Queen um, and the Countess of Wessex really pushing people to get the coronavirus vaccine. And we'll also have a chat about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex because they've been up to quite a bit in the last few days. But we'll start with um, probably the biggest royal story of 2021 so far, the ongoing hospitalisation of the Duke of Edinburgh. He went into hospital on February the 16th. We didn't find out until the following day and he's still there. It's been quite a worrying time, hasn't it? It really has. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, We were told that it was precautionary at the beginning, um, but he remained in hospital for days and days. And then the Prince of Wales visited him, which set all of us on alert. Um, And then they said that he was comfortable and in good spirits, which seems to be the only words they can describe when anyone's in the hospital um and we know that he has some sort of an infection that he's responding to treatment for they've not given us really any other details but um it's it's been a concerning couple of weeks just to say the least yeah because it is coming up now for two weeks isn't it he went in on the 16th 17th of february around that kind of the middle of the month we weren't told for 24 hours And I think probably what got everyone worried was how quickly it seemed to deteriorate, because within three or four days, we're used to Prince Philip walking out the hospital and he kind of vaguely waves at photographers, looks a little bit grumpy, gets in the car. And that's job done for another for another few months. But this time round, by the time we got to day five, he was still in hospital and it was Charles coming to visit, wasn't it? I think that's what really set alarm bells ringing. As soon as we saw the Prince of Wales going to the hospital, it just seemed to ramp everything up. For sure. And given the coronavirus restrictions in the UK, where you can only have hospital visitors if you're um, a dementia patient or receiving end-of-life care, I think it worried all of us. And The palace wasn't forthcoming with any reason why Prince Charles would travel all the way from, where was he? Gloucestershire? Yeah, Highgrove's in Gloucestershire. Isn't Highgrove, it? So it's a couple yeah. of hours, yeah. So that was concerning, and I think it set all of our alarm bells ringing even more than they already were that Saturday. Yeah, I think saying alarm bells started ringing is an understatement, isn't it? Because really, (laughs) the Royal Central team, they went into kind of like a five-day operation, you know, to cover the story because it's so unpredictable. He's 99. He's always been in good health, but he's he's had recent hospital stays. And then this one, this is his longest hospital stay ever that we know of. And obviously, an infection in someone of his age can be really, really dangerous, really, really quickly. So he's obviously had to go through quite a bit of treatment, but it meant, I think, all news organisations around the world were suddenly on red alert, weren't they? Because Prince Philip is one of the seismic figures of his age. There's no other way to put it. We're so He's like part of the furniture. He's been around for years and years and years. And obviously, the consort of the head of state here in the UK, it's a massive story, even him being ill. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, being 99, almost 100 illnesses are are going to happen he's had a very long life but there's so many of us or the majority of us really across the globe that have 
not known a world without the queen and Prince Philip in it, without the queen as the head of state and him as her consort. So with him being sick and, you know, being so unsure of what was going to happen, it, it was a natural concern for everybody because this is such a, they're, they're global figures for everyone. It's something that's, while presidents change and other, other global leaders change, that's, the queen stays the same. It's yeah. one constant. Yeah. Um, and I would argue, sorry, Lydia, I would argue too that they're probably the only two figures on that level left. I mean, she's the last head of state that ever saw active service um, in World War II when she joined the auxiliary unit. And he, of course, fought during World War II. And like Brittany said, presidents change, other heads of state change, but they've been a constant. They've been a part of our lives part of our parents' lives, a part of our grandparents' lives. And it's going to be a big, a big loss when Philip's time does come. Yeah, which we hope won't be for, for, for a while. He's, a he's while. Yeah. <laughs> <He's still, laughs> hang on. Yeah, I admit, I felt slightly emotional last Saturday when, um, when we saw Charles going in. And the other thing was Charles looks upset, didn't he, as he came out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people are trying yeah. to take photos and they've got long lenses. But it's really such a private moment and he's on display. Everyone wants to have a look. But he really did look quite emotional, didn't he, as he left the hospital, mm-hmm. understandably. But yes. Mm-hmm. And, and he I- had driven, what, 200 miles? For, uh, I think it was a round trip, so 100 miles down there. And he stayed for just 30 minutes and then got in the car, like you said, and was looking quite upset. So it it, it worried a lot of us. It did. And I think in the age of social media as well, rumours catch fire very, very quickly, don't they? Because almost as soon as that had happened, people were tweeting all kinds of things. I think if you'd looked at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at any point during the following 24 hours and not had any knowledge of what was going on, you might have been forgiven for thinking the worst had actually happened because it just sets rumours flying, doesn't it? And that's tricky to manage for the royals and for other media. Yes, I noticed that Operation Fourth Bridge was trending on Twitter last weekend, and that's the supposed code name for when Prince Philip does pass away. That's how they'll notify everybody that needs to know before the media is alerted. But luckily, there was nothing nothing to the rumors, and I did see some people saying, oh, the news at 11.30 or the news at 10.30, 9.30 is going to say something big, and then, of course, the story never came. And hopefully it won't because he and is, hopefully it won't. He's he's set to turn a hundred in June. I and mean, when we do know he is a very old man and, and however healthy he's been, obviously even the slightest illness can have a more dramatic impact just depending on how things are managed. But he's now entering his second week in hospital and as she was saying, Brittany, good spirits, comfortable, the words are interchangeable. But the latest statement from Buckingham Palace said that he was both comfortable and in good spirits. So we're kind of seeing that as a positive somewhat yeah. <laughs> I know it's tricky isn't it no one really wants to commit themselves because we just don't know yeah it, like I had discussed with you guys the when they first said that he's comfortable in responding to treatment that that he's comfortable part really to set my alarm bells off because you know you think he's comfortable okay are they having to make him comfortable for you know so um I, like you said I, I don't want to commit myself anything until I see him walk out of that hospital and into a car and look grumpy and drive off back to Windsor Castle. But we hope that will come. We know he'll be in hospital for the next few days. I have to say one thing that really reassured me a little bit more than than the words was seeing the Queen because at the end of 
the week just gone um i think it was like thursday the 25th 26th of february the queen did a video call didn't she with health leaders around the uk um to encourage everyone to get the coronavirus vaccine but the first thing i thought when i saw her was that she actually looked far more relaxed than i expected and that put my mind slightly more at ease i know the queen's a trooper and she's been smiling for the cameras for what 90 plus years but she just seemed to have an air of ease about her that I wasn't expecting. And I was hoping that that was a good sign. I saw on Twitter, too, that the brooch she was wearing was from, I think, her engagement session with Prince Philip back in 1947. So that was, I thought, a nice nice touch to pay tribute to him as well. Yeah, it really was. It's, it's sweet. But she was quite high profile towards the end of the week. Um, and it, I think it surprised some people just how passionate she was about the coronavirus vaccine. She was on one of these Zoom calls that have become the staple of royal engagements now. I mean, this time last year, can you imagine what we'd all be saying if all the engagements were being done on Zoom? And now we just expect to see kind of slightly grainy pictures of people on Zoom doing their engagements. But she was speaking to health leaders and officials right across the UK to talk about the rollout of the vaccine. And um, yeah, she's definitely pro-vaccine. We know she's had it, but she didn't pull any punches. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this this is important. I think she knows that it's important. And as the queen, she knows that she has influence, not only in the UK, but in the Commonwealth and across the globe. So she made sure that she, for, for once, really shared her views and said, you know, it didn't really hurt, which, okay, that's not really sharing a views. That's just stating kind of a fact. But saying, you know, that one was it something like one shouldn't be selfish or something, something to that effect. Yeah. Um, but she basically said, you know, don't be, don't be selfish, get the vaccine so that the rest of us, all of us can go about our lives again and we can put this behind us. And I applaud her for that because that's the vaccine's the only way we're going to be able to move on. And we all want to move on. Yes, <laughs> we really do. <laughs> yeah, she said do it for other people, didn't she? It was it mm-hmm. was quite a a strong message. And I mean, she's she's a woman of few words. But when she she does put together something like that, it really packs a punch. Yeah, she she knows when she knows when she needs to speak and she knows exactly what she needs to say. And this was the time that she needed to express her her thoughts. And it came on the same day that we found out that um, Sophie has now volunteered with St. John Ambulance to be a vaccination volunteer. That's something you wrote about, wasn't it, Jess? She's been kind of she's I mean, she's grand president of St. John Ambulance. And we know that she's been doing loads of volunteering throughout the pandemic. But this is kind of bringing all of it together. She's going to be on the front line of rolling out the vaccine. Yeah, it's a project she'll be involved in over the coming months, helping. um, I think it's in Greater London, the vaccine centre that she'll be working with. Um, getting people vaccinated and getting them in. And like you said, she's been active on the volunteer front throughout the pandemic. She's helped pack food parcels for um, isolated pensioners and whatnot and um, really helped out um, providing personal protective equipment to people. Um, So I think this is her way of of helping with the vaccine rollout. And I think we've seen um, Camilla and uh, William, they both visited vaccine centers this week as well. Um, And Charles has also been a big proponent of getting the vaccine. So it's all part of a larger strategy on the British royal families and to encourage as many people to get the vaccine as possible and to really applaud the NHS and their their quick rollout of the vaccine, because it's been really a really fast um, 
set up and they've gotten quite a lot of people vaccinated. Yeah, we're, we're doing really well here in the UK. I think quite a lot of people have been surprised just how quickly the vaccine programme's been rolled out. And uh, as my husband keeps telling us, we'll be able to get one soon. We thought we were going to have to wait till the autumn, but we might even be done by June. I'm not trying to give away my age there, but you know, <laughs> we're moving up the priority list far quicker than we ever thought. I know some people have criticised the royal family. You know, they'll say, oh, well, it's too political. You shouldn't be getting involved. I think it's a great thing. I, I, I don't see this as a political situation. I see it as like a humanitarian one. Like you said, Brittany, we need the vaccine. We need to get out of this situation. We can't keep living our lives like we have done for the last year. None of us want that. So for me, I think I think it's great what they've done over the last week like and like you were saying just that kind of almost coordinated program of people going to vaccination centers child speaking out trying to encourage groups that aren't so keen maybe on having the vaccination straight off to do it and then the queen kind of bringing it all together yeah and i think like like you said that it, this isn't political and i think a lot of people have tried to make this whole pandemic political and that frustrates me to no end um this is a pandemic that is a health a health situation that's impacting the entire globe that's a humanitarian crisis not this is not, not political this is human a human crisis like this has nothing to do with what your political party is just yeah this is the time be, to think, be a human being yeah this is the time to think about other people and like social distance wear a mask get the vaccine when you can get it just keep yourself safe and keep the people yeah. around you safe there's nothing yeah, political that, in that yeah, it doesn't matter what political party you belong to. You can still contract the virus just yeah. as easy, you know, if you're leaned to the right or to the left. You, you're still just as susceptible to the, this virus. It does not pick and choose based on things like that. And we have seen quite a few royals in Europe do the same thing, haven't we? Queen Margaret was first out of the blocks on New Year's Day to say she'd had the vaccine. Um, and then we even saw the King of Sweden having his jab but Swedish royal family has been really focused on the vaccination program haven't they and the Belgian royals in particular this week have been out to all kinds of medical and healthcare facilities again giving that real public boost to getting everyone vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Yeah and you also had Crown Princess Mary going to visit the World Health Organization's regional um, Europe office and she's the patron of that organization so she's been having meetings with their director throughout the pandemic to get an update on how the coronavirus vaccine is uh, going to work and just the pandemic like updates in general. I mean, she's also been doing work with her foundation to help with the younger populations who are experiencing loneliness and um, adverse effects because of having to socially distance from each other. So yeah, it's it's all across Europe. It's not just the, the British royals, but they're all doing their part. And it, and it even spreads in, into the Middle East um, and Asia. You've got um, in Jordan, King Ab Abdullah just gave a speech the other day. Um, it was actually to the U.S. Um, and he was talking about the, the importance of the vaccine and how, they're, how it doesn't need to be, um, how it needs to be equally spread out and how Jordan um, distributed the first vaccine to a refugee and um, Queen Rania has done the same thing, saying, you know, we've got to get the vaccine out there. It's we've got to make sure we take care of the smaller countries, the develop, de developing countries in Africa and places. So, you know, it's not just a European royal thing. It's it's a global royal thing that spreads out. And they're really doing, I think, as a whole, the royals across the world are doing their part on this.
Yeah. And to piggyback on that, too, I know Queen Maxima has been doing a lot of engagements in developing countries as well, focusing on microfinance and how they can build back after the pandemic, especially those businesses there who have been really hard hit. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a global global push out. Yeah, because, I mean, the pandemic, first of all, it brought real challenges for royalty because we were saying you know that their kind of raison d'etre up until now has been out and about being seen to be believed but they had to change all of that and we're now used to kind of the zoom engagements but as you were saying it's kind of it's going even further than that isn't it it's looking ahead it's supporting the vaccination but also looking ahead to rebuilding and making sure that all groups are involved and and actually most royal families have been quite successful haven't they they seem to have adapted and really made it a focus and that support's always useful it's never going to be unuseful is it it's always going to have some added value to whatever health programs are going to go on yeah what they're doing is extremely valuable and yeah it's going to be useful 100 percent. and of course the queen is looking very well she turns 95 in just a few weeks time we keep that phrase that she's turning 95 he's turning 100 everyone's turning they're just turning and turning and turning but we've got the big <laughs> royal birthdays coming up as we go through 2021 quite a few big numbers coming up big royal wedding anniversaries coming up and having had a really quiet period of royal life through January where nothing really seemed to be happening at all suddenly everything is springing into action as spring arrives and two people who will certainly be in the news for the next few weeks are the Duke and Duchess of Sussex Um, they've been in the news for the last few weeks so we had their happy news that they're having a second baby and then we heard they'll be speaking to Oprah and then we had the announcement that surprised no one that they won't be coming back as permanent members of the royal family with their follow-up statement and now we've just seen Harry with James Corden on The Late Late Show, and then we've got Oprah coming up next week, and we've suddenly gone into a kind of Sussex bubble. Yeah, um, obviously they're living here in the U.S., in California. Um, I actually, I finally got to watch the James Corden interview, and to me, the interview brought back kind of the old Harry a little bit, where he had that joking personality and the Harry that we've not seen in a really long time. And that was refreshing to see. Um, And, you know, I I enjoyed the little military part where they're having to crawl crawl through the mud and Harry's just going about it because he was in the military and James Gordon's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Um, So, I mean, it, it was a good comic relief, I think. And we learned a lot of interesting information. We learned that Archie's first word was crocodile, which is a, Rather mm. large word yeah. for a child. <laughs> um, usually it's mama, dada, not crocodile. Um, but props to him. Um, he got a waffle maker from the queen for Christmas. And as James Corden said, I really wanted to know how the queen ordered that and sent it across the, like, just imagining the queen on, you know, we know her, her people did it for her. I was going to say she's got thought of. <laughs> it, it, but it's just a thought of the queen, you know, ordering a waffle maker and sending it across. It just kind of gives you a good happy like family moment because you know at the end of the day they still are a family for her calling and wanting to know what to get her great-grandson and things yeah I mean that's something it, it kind of came out in this statement that the queen issued didn't she when she said um mid-feb that they weren't coming back but they'd always remain much loved members of her family she was very keen to underline that they remained part of her family, her family group, which is, you know, obviously the royal family, but then they're a private family behind palace doors as well. So she was keen to underline that. And there was a lot of family in this interview. I have to say, I watched it. Um, 
on YouTube. And yeah, I mean, I think he came out of it quite well. I think it was quite good fun. There's probably a bit of a British US divide. I, you know, here in Britain, we don't really think about the royal family going to the loo. So knocking on someone's door, asking if he could have a wee, I'm just like, the royal family wee, really? You know, I think probably <laughs> that got more of a, a slightly warmer reception across the Atlantic than it would have done here, because it's probably just differing attitudes to the royal family. But yeah, like you say, I mean, it was quite wide ranging. He talked about quite a lot of different um, issues and situations, some of it more serious, some of it a bit jokier. And for me, I think the jokier bits worked better. There was you know, there was a friendly warmth about it. Once you start getting into the serious issues, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of want to develop it a bit more, which might well be what's happening in Oprah. But it was, yeah, it was, it was, there was certainly plenty in there to keep you interested. For sure. And he did mention that they Zoom a lot with the Queen and Prince Philip. Um, So that really highlights the fact that they are still uh, members of the family. And I also love the tidbit that Prince Philip can't figure out how to end a Zoom calls, <laughs> so he just slams the laptop lid down. Because I can totally picture that. That is the most Philip <laughs> yeah. thing we've That's heard. That's the most Philip thing ever. You just know it's like, oh, lovely, and then the lid goes down. Mm-hmm. There's that. How do you turn off this thing? Slam. He's, he's not turning it off. It kind of reminds me of my dad when we first gave him a mobile phone. When he'd finished talking, he just put it down on the seat next to him. It's like, no, to press the button. But you just know that's what Philip does, isn't it? There's no leave meeting. It's just, yeah, off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which that, you know, gave us a good little laugh, too. Although one, I have to say that one of the funniest moments was when the tea cart just like took off and crashed and everything. I, I was a bit worried. And everything went everywhere. Point, you know, I knew nothing <laughs> bad was going to happen because they'd recorded it and edited it and everyone was absolutely fine. But for that one moment, you're like, oh, my goodness, what has happened if they hit a bridge? You know, they just come to a stop. But, yeah, the tea cart, if you haven't seen it, went whizzing down the bus and Harry got covered in tea. Hopefully not too hot because that, yeah, could be quite uncomfortable. But yeah, there were lots of funny moments in there. And I know there are some members of the Royal Central team who aren't too keen on James Corden. We'll name no names here. However, I thought he was quite funny. I thought the light touch that he brought to it was probably just the right attitude that was was needed. It didn't tip for me too far into silliness and clowning around. There was, you know, it kept on the right side of just being amusing. There was a good balance in that interview, I think. Yeah, and I think James Corden is the person that you would want to ease back in because really we haven't heard, we've seen them Skype and um, do calls throughout the year, but we haven't really heard a lot from Harry and Meghan. So I think using James Corden, someone who's a friend, he went to their wedding and I think he emceed their evening reception, if I remember correctly, Um, using him to really ease back into the public eye now that the year in review is up was a good choice. And really got to display old, the old Harry that we're all used to. It did. And, and yeah, I yeah. think it was it was a it, it was a big plus for them. I think what's interesting about it is the timing, because we know we saw the pictures of Harry on the bus right back at the beginning of February. I think even before we'd had the baby announcement, of course, it's not been broadcast until the end of February. And in between him speaking and it going out on air, a lot has changed. Obviously, he knew he was having a second baby. That That's not a surprise to him. However, we weren't expecting the statement from the Queen that the, um, the step back had been made permanent. So the timing's interesting, isn't it? He was talking at one point in time. We saw it after something major had happened. So that kind of makes what's coming up next, the Oprah interview, perhaps even more interesting because in a few days' time, we will see that chat between Oprah and Meghan. That lasts about an hour. And then there's half an hour where it's Meghan and Harry talking to Oprah. And it's just a question of whether the statement and the fact that the the kind of setback's been made permanent in the meantime, whether that's going to have any influence on how they come across 
in this next media appearance? I, th- I think it may. Um, to my knowledge, the interview, I think, was recorded after yeah. the announcement had come. So I think it will be a little bit different. I- I'm very interested to see how this interview goes. I think that it's going to go down better in the U.S. than in the U.K., no matter what happens. It's it's for it's it's the diversity of the audience, isn't it? Because I think Oprah will feel very comfortable talking to Harry and Meghan. I think Harry and Meghan will feel very comfortable talking to Oprah. But I think it's playing out across the global audience. And as you just said, Jess, this is the first time we've actually heard them speak about their feelings since all of this began. And that changes everything, doesn't it? When you hear it voiced, when you hear the person express it themselves. For sure. And I think this coming week the TV promos will start to roll out and we'll finally hear little snippets of what to expect. But we do know that um, Oprah's team reached out to get um, clips from their African um, journey documentary that they'd filmed with Tom Bradby in South Africa. And I think another TV station was asked for footage of an interview with Samantha Markle. So we know that her family will come up. I don't know what clips they're using from the Tom Bradby interview, but as we know, that was around the time when they really cemented their their decision to step back from the royal family. So we don't know what they're going to say, but it's probably not going to be very easy for some people to digest what comes out. But but I agree with Brittany. I think it will go down better in America than over in the UK. But I think they could do a two-hour interview and say nothing but positive things. And some UK journalists would find a reason to complain. So... Yeah, I, I think, I think I that, that, that's a very fair point. I think if people aren't interested in them or supportive of them, like you say, you could have two hours where literally it is, we love the Queen, we love the Queen, we love the Queen, and still that's going to be taken as a negative. So I think the whole build-up is going to be intriguing. I, the interview itself, an hour and a half, you kind of, it's like it's almost like watching a royal wedding, isn't it? There's so much to take in. You need to watch it about 19 times before you've actually digested it all. And then, of course, there'll be all the fallout and all the different interpretations. But it's certainly going to put them at the forefront of royal news for the next couple of weeks. Definitely. And you also have the Queen's Commonwealth um TV special. I can't remember, remember when that comes on. You know, it's right around the same time where it you'll is. have... Yeah, it's the same day. It's Sunday, March the 7th. So it's broadcast in the afternoon here in the UK on Sunday, March the 7th. So I think that the the Oprah interview will go out a few hours later. I have to say one of I think it will be at the end of 2021, still one of my favourite things was people on social media saying, oh, the Queen's got herself a rival TV programme because they're doing Oprah. And it's like, yeah, she has. She got the Church of England to set up this TV show just for her. It's just like sometimes the craziness just makes you laugh. And the the headlines for the Queen's special just annoyed me because they were mostly the queen and kate middleton are planning their own tv special but then you read in the article it's the entire royal family and they're talking about the importance of commonwealth and did you really need to frame it that way (laughs) i know it's been like commonwealth day has been the second monday in march for years and years and years we've had a commonwealth day service since 1972 and it did i have to say i i just could not stop myself laughing at the the idea that you know the royals had heard about this oprah interview and suddenly marched into westminster abbey and set up their own tv special because that what what else would you do take over a famous church and broadcast some kind of (laughs) back you know you just the the interesting conspiracy theories and clickbait that comes up sometimes pops up uh will give you a good laugh or make you extremely frustrated depending on what the situation is sometimes you don't need to scroll through twitter for very long because you'll come across 
some very interesting theories that people have come up with or comments that they just filled the need that they have to share with the world. Yeah, and yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's usually stuff that you couldn't think of by yourself if you sat in a dark room with no one to talk to you for a year. I'm sure, but it will be interesting. It will be. Um, it will be interesting to see how it plays out and what the reaction is. Um, and we'll have lots of coverage on royalcentral.co.uk, I'm sure, of the Commonwealth Day service and of Harry and Meghan speaking to Oprah. And hopefully, good news soon, um, a picture of a grumpy looking Prince Philip almost waving at photographers as he leaves King Edward VII's hospital in London. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that. But of course, the latest updates on the Duke of Edinburgh's health will be on the site as well. Thank you for spending your time with us um, on this podcast. Hopefully, We'll have another one for you very soon. But for now, we'll say thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks.